0: You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, sir. How about you? Congratulations, congratulations, congratulations! <laughs> welcome to the uh, welcome to the dad gang. Welcome to the girl dad gang. Uh, big day, big day, big week for you. How great are you? How how tired are you?
0: Uh, I think like 15 hours of sleep over the last five days. Nothing,
1: child's play.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I got out of the hospital, got home at 1 p.m., did a Costco run, 6 p.m., was coaching a high school game, and uh, haven't slept since, so.
1: And for those of you who do not know, uh, my, my esteemed co-host, the man who makes it all work, uh, <laughs> Mr. Nicholas Zeroya, um, and his lovely wife gave birth to their first child, uh, Kennedy Rose, um, uh, this week. So uh, very much congratulations to them. Um, you know, wonderful, wonderful thing. Baby is beautiful. Thankfully, she looks like mom and nothing like dad. Um, and everything is good. All is good. Kennedy yeah. Rose. Yeah. Kennedy Rose, named after the... Uh, uh, the nation's greatest president.
0: I mean, we were toying around with a couple of presidential type names and uh, Kennedy Reagan. I did. My wife is not into politics or history. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain to her why Kennedy Reagan wasn't great. Yep. Uh, not a good combo. And Rose is a family name. Uh, Love it. So we just we went with it. So. It's a beautiful name. It is. I was struggling with it because it sounded kind of like a ship mm-hmm. that had sank. The Kennedy Rose the Ella Fitzgerald, the Kennedy Rose, like it's anything like that. I just, I don't know when you have an old timey name thrown in there, but you know, our whole goal is something unique, but not crazy weird. And I think we, I think Kennedy uh, took care of that, but let's, let's move on to lacrosse because now I am blessed to be home for the next five days watching nothing but lacrosse. And uh, obviously makes it a little bit easier to take care of the child when uh, when there's just lacrosse on TV all day long. So starting on Friday, which let's let's start with that man, because this isn't an issue and people are talking about it. A couple weeks ago or a week ago, we heard all about the the issue, what was it with the quarterfinals?
1: Yep. Scheduling of the women's games and how they have them, uh, scheduled up where essentially it's like, a, g- <clears throat> it's, you know, they had games at 12, 1, 2, 3, 4. So basically staggered um, starts, but- staggered start. Um, but unlike the men's games where, you know, they, they do two hours for every game. So they'll have, you know, a 12, a two, a four, a six or, or what have you, um, on the, on the, on the lady side, it, it was just every hour. So, um, you know, you had some, you know, and, and, you know, As we've seen over the last few years, the game is expanding. These teams are getting better. So these first-round matchups are phenomenal games. Um, It's not just, you know, uh, one team getting blown out. It's, you know, these are competitive games. These are great games. Um, It's a really good opportunity to showcase the sport um, and showcase some of those conferences that have really good teams that, you know, unfortunately don't get seen a lot. Um, So I completely understand where they're coming from. This is um, a major issue that needs to be fixed moving forward. Um, You know uh, it's just been, it's been a hot topic over the last couple of weeks because that has now transitioned into it's, it transitioned into the second round games. And now it's an even bigger problem with the final four this weekend um, because we have those final four games tomorrow. I believe they're at Towson, but as opposed to how they used to do it, where it would be, say, a five and a seven start or a seven and nine, six and eight, whatever, you know, it's 12 and two, 12 and two. So um, while the majority of the world is either in school or working, um, these young ladies are going to be playing, you know, significant matches um you know and and fighting for a chance to win a national championship which um deservedly so a lot of people are upset about you know what are your thoughts
0: well i think so let's rewind back to the quarterfinals the the issue was that there were staggered starts but they all overlapped so you really couldn't i mean now now listen to be fair we all screen multiple games at a time Mm -hmm. but that's not the point the point is we do that because there are so many games on TV. Like we, we have too many games on it, too many divisions that we care about, mm-hmm. but in the women's side where D1 is, you know, obviously King, like it, like it is on the men's side, but D1 is King. So we, we aren't able to watch all four. They are not on premier channels all the time either. That was another issue because if you have four games starting an hour after each other, well, you could only put two of them on a major network. And so we both agree in in past talks that what's like, what's really limiting lacrosse in general, and even more so the women's game is lack of exposure. Mm -hmm. So if we were to have more exposure for the women's game, it will grow. And it already does grow faster than the men's game. People don't think about it because they don't want to think about it, but it's so true. There are more women's programs added every year than men's programs. It's at cheaper college to level. Start
1: a women's lacrosse program. Then, it is a men's. Yeah, program.
0: yeah. So it's growing faster. Participation's up, and the only way to like take care of that and foster that growth further is further, you know, exposure. So, but here's the thing: everybody was mad because they assumed they knew why it was happening, and it's because either ESPN or the NCAA hates women. And while there might be some truth to that, uh, there was a bigger point, a bigger issue there. And then it was ironically an issue created under the guidance of some of the female coaches. So what do you, you know, I know you were talking about that earlier. What kind of was the, the case? Yeah, there? Yeah.
1: So in, in doing some research on the, on the matter, you know, you're looking at some of the more prominent uh, ladies in the game, speaking up to it and, and, and it's wonderful that, um, you know these ladies are using their voice to kind of speak their their opinion and voice their displeasures with what's going on, and and, and I think that's wonderful. Um, you know, uh, one of the big le- one of the big uh, people who did it was Taylor Cummings. She came out and obviously made a statement about it, and um all of her points were correct. Um, and um I was following on Twitter. You know, you see the tweet below it, um, and it's actually one of the people who are on the the NCA committee, which is the Stetson uh, women's coach. And basically, what she says is, is you know, I'll take the blame for this. I'll fall on the sword. Um, you know, when we are doing the, um, when we're you know, creating the bracket and doing things like that, basically, um, you know, these sites put in for a specific block of time to schedule these games, um, and unfortunately, that's how this happened um, where these games were staggered starts, but they overlapped. Um, Basically it wasn't something that it it, based on what I saw on Twitter was something that wasn't created by ESPN. It wasn't created by any of these and any of the outlets that would be um, putting these games out there. Um, It was essentially done by the scheduling committee, the people that were putting the tournament together, which um, is administrators and, um, other coaches and things like yeah. that. So it was so lack she, yeah, a lack so she, of organization and lack of understanding of how it all works. She basically said, my bad, this is something that we are going to look at moving forward. Um, so at least when I saw it, I saw it was like, okay, that that kind of makes sense and then that's where it stopped that's where yeah. was, that's where it died there was no further discussion with her um, those tweets were not answered um, so it was kind of like okay we got a we got a response are we going to follow up with that response yeah because the or response we-
0: isn't what people wanted people wanted like people to say like you're right it's because of this or that but that's not what they got they got a reasonable response which and, and i i to be fair to everybody that's mad it's a stupid problem because yeah. they're, you know, as people have worked in college athletics, you can change the bid process to host to say, like, do you want, like, one of these four time slots? And that's when you're hosting your games. But, like, those time slots are not just back-to-back. Yeah. You know, there are ways to schedule this better. So well, we, if- we have that issue with the quarterfinals. It's, it's an easy fix. It really is now that it's, like, every, everyone's very aware of it. And they bungled
1: the whole thing up. Like, why are why are they on a court quor- on quarterfinals, first and second round games? Why are they playing two games in three days? You know, why are they doing things the w- the way that they do them? Um, I understand it's to save money, but like at the same time, um, you know, th- th- there is just no rhyme or reason as to why we do it. And I think you know, there's a, there's a bigger thing at heart here. I think everybody is just kind of fed up with the NCAA and their lack of transparency with how they do things. Um, And I think it's starting to come out and deservedly so. I think, uh, I think they're a bunch of crooks and I think they do need to be, I think they do need to be changed because at the end of the day, the only people that are getting hurt are uh, the student athletes and the people that are trying to watch the student athletes and the coaches that are coaching the student athletes. So get your act together, figure it out. Um, These girls deserve more. Um, And, you know, to be quite honest, if you're playing some NCAA semifinal games at 12 and two on a Friday, I don't care if it's Memorial day weekend. um, That's pathetic. Shame on you yeah. for doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, just put them at, I mean, the answer is simple. Just put those games at night. I think everyone would agree. While it wouldn't be ideal to play a nine o'clock game. I'd rather play at nine on TV primetime than at two.
1: Yeah. You and then me? people
0: can actually get to the game.
1: Yeah. Listen, everything's opening up now. Um, you know, the big C word is, is, is hopefully behind us. Um, I'm sure the NCAA and whoever's in charge will blame it and say, we had to do it this way because of protocols and all this other stuff. That's, that's a bunch of BS between you and me. Um, they should be playing these games in prime time, okay? Um, if you can play every women's volleyball game in prime time, you can do it for women's lacrosse, okay? And they did women's volleyball when all these other sports were going on, including basketball. So don't tell me you can't make this work because you absolutely can.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Let's Let's leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the men's games. Obviously, we're very happy with how these are scheduled out. And I think <laughs> yeah. I, I think that pretty much it, it's it's perfect because it just shows, like, the extreme difference, right? Like, one, one, pe- one set of people. And, again, you and I, we're, we're done. We're off. Like, we can watch a game. I'm going to watch the women's games tomorrow at twelve yeah. two, But, like, we're in the minority. Like, we understand that.
1: I'm going to be having a few Diet Cokes while I watch these games, too.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Big okay. shout out, big John Haggerty. It's his last day on the job tomorrow. We're gonna get him. Uh, we're gonna get him all, all tuned up and watch, uh, watch some uh, women's lacrosse.
0: If he knew what a podcast was, I bet you he'd, he'd appreciate that. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> that's that's Ryan's father-in-law. Yeah. So, uh, the mountain man. Um, men's games starting Saturday. We have at noon.
1: I believe that's UVA and UNC. Am yep.
0: Am I wrong? Yep. Nope. noon, UVA, UNC. And, uh, you know, obviously, my money's on North Carolina for this one. I, you know, obviously, Virginia has the experience. They, they are the reigning national champions, if you will. And I just, I don't know, man. Those two Syracuse games just showed me that, you know, as good as Virginia can be, they can also be – lackluster at times and so I, think, I
1: think it's because lars doesn't let his guys eat meat
0: i mean listen <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding, you have I'm your opinions on certain things for sure <laughs> but uh at the end of the day i think north carolina for sure is you know my favorite i think at their worst you know they're still better than virginia at their worst and i think if north carolina can just make sure that you know face-offs are generally even i i think that They will create plenty of trouble. That being said, I'm sure this game will go to overtime (laughs) and both teams will use the timeout and uh, well, hopefully, right, unless it's the Big Ten. Um, Ours will
1: be throwing BTBs with his wooden long pole, uh, you know, in pregame. Yeah,
0: exactly. The the spirit will be alive.
1: Um, I think it's going to be a great game, man. I, I, like you said, I think, you know, if we're looking at it right now, UNC is a better team. I I think on paper, they are a better team, but who's playing better right now? Um, I have this distinct feeling that UVA is playing a little bit looser. Um, you know, it's almost eerily familiar to their 2019 run, um, you know, I want to go with UNC, but I just have this feeling that UVA is going to make this a tougher game than it should be. Um, And and they're going to put them in a position where they're going to, they're going to, they might have a chance to win this game. Like I said, like you said, it's, you know, it's probably going to go to overtime. I don't think it's going to go to overtime, but um, I think it's going to be, the big matchup is going to be, how can they control, um, Connor Schnellenberger, Um, how are you going to be able to manage that? You know, because you've got now Matt Moore is playing really well. Schnellenberger is playing really well. And you got Dox Aiken basically winning those battles between the two boxes.
0: Bertrand Um, is unreal. I I mean, listen, people don't talk about the Virginia stars enough. They really don't because all the attention's over with Chris Gray. Yep. Rightfully so. But yeah, I mean, overtime. I'm going with overtime. And speaking of overtime, let's talk about this real quick okay Rutgers are you calling on timeout like the moment he here's um, what I say I don't think you automatically call it just I because you cross it. I, just because I you say cross I it save 50.
1: it if I would say you save it if you uh if you if you're if you don't like what you see okay now and I don't know coach Breck might have liked what he had seen um I think there are two different schools of thought um you know, uh, I think you can, if you don't like what you see and you don't like the matchup. I didn't like what I
0: I saw. I know he said in the post game, he didn't try to call a timeout. He trusted his guys, (laughs) but I saw three different situations where all back to back to back in succession where I was like, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. That doesn't look good. I'm screaming at my TV to call a timeout on the first one. The second one screaming third one. I'm like, I can't believe it. Well, now, but, granted. And, listen,
1: and now here's my
0: thing. He's there. And I'm here. Yeah. I run a first podcast. Time in that... <laughs> he's a D one head coach. First but... time in that
1: position, you're going, you know, with a chance to go to final four weekend, maybe you probably call that timeout. I mean, I don't Plus, know. Man, you got I, the I...
0: oldest, most experienced attack in the history of lacrosse. Like these guys have a longer career than most pros. And like Charlen Bees was playing out of his mind. Curse can do it. Some of those goals he scored were obscene. Like let's make sure that they get the ball. And basically they, they couldn't get the ball into curse hand clean. Yeah. And there was chances where he was picking it up and then losing it again where I'm like, all right, now that's a timeout or that's, you know, you know, the old, that's like, it. Hey, if ref, it's t- not clean. If it's not clean, right?
1: if it's not clean timeout. Um, but like you said, we're here, he's there. Um, you know, I I don't know. It's, you know, it's one of those things you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know, if they win that game, people are probably telling them that he's a genius and, you know, all this other stuff. Um, it doesn't take away from the fact that Rutgers had a phenomenal oh season. They the and best hey, season. guess what?
0: The Big Ten's good lacrosse. Uh, best season they've ever, the
1: best season they've ever had, um, and deservedly so. He's doing a great job. He's a wonderful coach. Um, you know, for everybody who hindsight's
0: always twenty twenty. You know,
1: everybody who's who's got some bad things to say about his decisions and things like that. How many of you have ever coached in a quarterfinal with a chance to go to an NCA semifinal? You know for years, there's like only a handful of schools that have ever gone to the NCAA final four. Um, hey, so listen,
0: nobody would, nobody likes it if we just sit here and tell everybody that did a good job though. So yeah, exactly. Right. We, but we have at to the same this.
1: time, you know what, do it. You know, why don't you just do what the PLL does? No timeouts. Thank you. I was going to say,
0: I think we can all agree just no timeouts. And then, you know, everyone is a genius. What yeah, was it?
1: I forget which game I was watching this weekend, but it got down to like two minutes. Um, I want to say it might have been the Notre Dame game. Both teams had two timeouts. It's under two minutes, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm watching basketball. We're going to be here for another 45 minutes.
0: Yes, and nobody wants that. Yeah, you know, I get stupid. it. I
1: understand, but like it's almost like automatic with certain coaches. You know, like you know Joe bresci He gets the ball. He's calling a timeout. Right? Yeah, he's I
0: get And that's why you have a couple plays. You know, you know none of these guys run plays as their offense. No, not at the D1 level, but everyone has a couple plays for that for those types of situations almost like an inbounds play like an end line play you need one or two and so you better believe with those guys that they have you know sometimes it's better but you know know, that's why somebody see that's why they call the double timeout too and
1: and with what you're saying is which is also very smart too is you know hey a timeout there you definitely have the opportunity to put the ball on your best player's stick yeah right there
0: yeah easy but anyway I just had to ask because it really bothered me a lot. And then we've got Maryland and Duke. And I think this one is going to be awesome because how do you, how do you defend?
1: There isn't a player in the country that can guard Jared Bernhardt.
0: No, he's sorry.
1: Sorry, JT.
0: And JT's a freak.
1: He's a phenomenal player, but that kid is on another level. He is my pick for the Tawaraton. And oh, um,
0: because you know, now uh, you see him like direct, like now that we see all these games back to back, you see him with Chris Gray and Michael Sowers. Like, like you watch a game with one, then you see the next and you're just like, yeah, that guy is, well, he has everything that they have plus like the speed and size together. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing is like, he can do literally anything. He can disappear for 50% of the game and then just show up real quick, take over and then disappear again. Like he doesn't make it all about him. Like there's been guys like him in the past. You know, like a Pat Spencer, where it's like all eyes are on him, and he always has the ball. He's always he, he plays always like Matt Rambo. Create.
1: You know, it's like it's a you know it's a it's a little bit faster, more athletic Matt Rambo. You know, he's going to get the ball, but he's got other guys who can who can take some of that load off. You know, Matt Rambo had Colin Heacock. He had. You know Rotans and all those other guys, so it's uh it's going to be interesting. You know I think Sowers, you know Sowers probably didn't have the year that he thought he was going to have production wise, but I'm sure he's he's glad to be trading that for a chance to be a championship weekend. Um, Exactly, you weren't making playoffs at Princeton, and 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 Duke's offense runs, yeah, Duke's offense runs a little bit different than Princeton did. Um, You know he's starting to
0: take over now. He was he was trying to be a great teammate, not be the transfer that comes in as a twarton favorite and is like. Give me the ball. It's my ball. He tried to do the opposite of that almost too much, too passive. But then you saw like week by week as the Duke team kind of figured out their roles and he figured out who he was on that team. You could see it improve and improve and improve. And when he he did take over some games at the end because like he he has that clutch gene. Yeah. That's like you know, hey, winners want the ball and their sticks at the end My of games, right? My man Joe right?
1: Robertson, that guy, Joe Robertson, I mean, is, 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 yes. the, is the is the OT killer. <laughs> exactly. But it's you Ice got Joe Robertson, veins. you got Sowers, and then you got. You know, Brendan O'Neill is is. I, I feel bad for whoever that second or third defender is because that kid does not yes. play like a freshman. Um, I know the All American. It's came like unf- It's unfair
0: to think of him yeah. as a third attackman because he is the first option on ninety percent of D one teams.
1: I hope he got. Uh, at least an honorable mention All American this year from the USILA. I know he didn't get. Uh, I know he was player uh, freshman of the year in the ACC. I don't think he got uh, any inside lacrosse All American love. I mean, it was it was tough US...
0: because like even Jake Caraway got second team All American. Yeah, so it's that like, guy's an absolute stud. Yeah. So how do you you know? it's Brendan really O'Neill deserves
1: to be an honorable mention All American. I mean, he's you know, um, at minimum. At minimum, I don't think he's in the top. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he makes the first, second, or third team this year. But he's an honorable mention All-American to me because there's just so many. You know, Ryan Tierney's a second-team All-American. You know, and that kid was 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 Hofstra this year.
0: Yep, and uh, the USILA did give Brennan O'Neill honorable mention. There you go. So there Perfect. you go. So yeah, yeah, I mean he's a freshman with guys like Jackson Morrill, Joe Robertson on, you know, line mate Joe Robertson Robertson, you know, Peyton Cormier, just studs. Yeah. Ryan Smith, studs all over that. And he's in there as a freshman. Yeah. I think that's pretty much one of the most impressive things. I think quietly, and a little love to the to the local team, Nick Rowlett face off for Michigan, being a honorable mention all American. There you go. Is, I mean, his impact was felt immediately if you, if you watched any Big Ten games with Michigan and they had moments where like he was the reason that they were in those games.
1: Michigan has the sleeper of the recruiting uh, community coming in next year from Manhasset on Long Island, Aiden Mulholland. He is going to be an absolute stud, savage, <laughs> whatever you want, that guy's going to be it for Michigan. I'm I'm surprised he didn't decommit and go somewhere else. That kid is that good.
0: <laughs> well, that's fair. That's I'm fair. just calling it like it is. No, that no, kid. that's great. Well, and so back to the the Maryland Duke game. So we got a little off track there, but but Maryland, I think the biggest story here too, like you said, it sucks because like that Duke attack line is unbelievable. But there have been plenty of teams that have been able to to keep Bottom them. Up, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think. Nick grill is one of the most underrated players mm-hmm. in division one lacrosse in the final four. The guy has unbelievable feet and, and game sense. So I think at some point there's going to be a, a time where he creates a play that creates transition that helps Maryland. Cause Maryland is a team that goes on many runs. Yep. We saw that last week, they went on a five goal run. And then Notre Dame went on a run. And then you know, they, they can withstand a lot of punches too, but they are a team of runs. So I, I think a lot of that starts with with Nick Grill on defense. And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty like keep an eye on him. If you haven't been able to watch a lot of Big Ten, like super Big. impressive, a guy that came in from Marquette, uh yeah. very undersized, but like does not play like it.
1: I think it's going to come down to goalie play too. And I know Mich- uh, Maryland's goalie has been teetering around the 50% mark. If he doesn't, if he's not above 55% or at 60%, I don't think they win the game. But, I, you know, I it, it's going to be tough. I think styles make fights, and this is going to be a, a pretty interesting game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then next up after that, we're going to talk a little bit about D2 and D3 here. So let me... We've got in the D two side of things. LR Bears, yeah. We, you know, listen. Nothing against Lemoyne. I know Ryan. I'm sure in the past you've you've got a lot of experience understanding history with Lemoyne, but LR Bears, man. We've been talking about them. I think since one of our first two or three podcasts, like who's who are the teams to watch out for in our post COVID year because we started this podcast last June, and Yep. You were a big, I mean, you understand that area of the country Mm -hmm. very well when it comes to lacrosse, being a former SAC coach. I loved the way, I mean, they had, they, they played unbelievable before it got canceled. And so I was right there ready to, you know, you said it. I was like, I can't disagree with you at all. Like. LR is building something special. So talk about – I mean, you're the D2 guy. You talk about this matchup. But, like, um, I, I know LeMoyne's great. Obviously, they're the one seed. But, like, gonna LR, be, man.
1: It's going to be LeMoyne, uh, LR's offense versus LeMoyne's defense. Who can show up and play? Um, I think, you know, the big thing, LeMoyne hasn't been to championship weekend, I think since 2016. So there's really no kids that have been part of that. Cause there was a good stretch where it was LeMoyne there every week, every year, you know, LeMoyne has been in the NCAA tournament, but they have, you know, it's different when you're playing up in Syracuse, New York for the, uh, semifinal, um, than playing in a foot, you know, an NCAA football stadium or an NFL stadium for the championship in front of 10,000 people. um, You know, I think it's going to be who can manage that a little bit better. Uh, I think um, I'm just going to call it like I see it. I think LR wins this game. I think Dickinson um, and crew. I think those guys, I think that, you know, Dickinson and company, they're, you know, I I think they're going to be really tough to stop. They play tough defense, strong goalie. They are animals in transition. Um, You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, in, in a typical year, LeMoyne plays a really tough schedule Lemoyne uh, LR played a tougher schedule this year. They had to play Wingate three times. You had to play Limestone. You had to play Tampa. You had to play all of these different teams. LR has had a tough and and I'm not downgrading anything that um uh, Lemoyne has had to do because you know they had to play Adelphi, they had to play Pace, they had to play Mercyhurst, you know, they they all both they both had um tough paths to get here. I just think that um, because of a lot of different things, um, you know, the South was a little bit easier on their restrictions when it came to COVID. So I think LR had a lot more time to kind of build that and use some of the motivation from last year. Um, I think it's LR, you know, uh, they, if you've never been there to their school, um, it's really hard to describe, but, you know, it is a special environment. You know, their field, that football stadium, in bet- they play in between the bricks. You are surrounded by brick um it, it is it is a picturesque facility they have a tremendous fan base coach Par, you know coach greg Paradine paradine has been building something special there since he took over um yeah. they play fast they
0: play aggressive I mean, they, they sold you know, they, out their, yep. their their allotment i mean they the, play the like fans, a division one team listen that for a for a smaller small ish d2 school all right in the in What state is LR in? Is it south? It's Hickory, North Carolina. Carolina. So
1: it is about – it's about an hour from Charlotte. Okay. Um, Really nice town. So so
0: given that, though, you look at the stands and you're getting MIAA high school vibes. Like those people, those fans, those – the students show out for lacrosse. Yeah. And that is no small part based on a product of the culture that Coach has has built there. And so – they're fun to watch. It's it's a lot like when you think about like how Tufts was, where it's like it just became like mm-hmm. a, a train, man. Everybody was hopping on the top. Like this is LR's the next train. Like if you want to buy stock, buy it in LR. I mean, it's not as not as good of a deal as it would have been a couple of years ago. Now, but... let me tell you, that guy he's had a hell of a week.
1: You've had a hell of a week, but that guy's got yeah, his daughter yeah. playing in the NCA. Got good genes. They're probably uh, they're probably going to win the NCA championship at UNC. His daughter plays for UNC. Son played in the state championship down there. Um, he's playing in the NCA championship. So it's been a good week for them. Um, I mean, either way, but don't downplay Lemoyne. Those guys always show up. Coach Sheehan has. You know, he's got, uh, you know, I don't know. I think he's got five national championships now, Um, four or five. That guy knows how to win. He's tough. Those kids are extremely, extremely well-prepared. I think this is going to be a slugfest, man. Yeah, the only way –
0: I think the only way LR loses really is if the moment becomes too big for them. And it's – you can be the best coach in the world, but it's it's hard to prepare – your players for a moment like that like the mm-hmm. the first ever national championship mm-hmm. so and i mean
1: that, and if if there are any division one openings this summer my man my man coach greg his phone's going to be ringing that's if there's a coach that's going to make the jump from d2 to d1 it's going to be him
0: yeah and uh what, what class is the son in by the way
1: uh he's i think he's going to be a freshman somewhere i don't know i don't know where he's going i think he might be going to lr i'm not sure
0: all right. Well, maybe we maybe I can look that up while you talk about Salisbury and RIT. So my thoughts are this: our Salisbury they they lost their opening game to Lynchburg, and and they came into the season pretty much heralded as like this unbelievable team that maybe you know one of the best teams that they've ever put out there, and they've put out some good ones. And then they lose that first game. What was it like nine to eight? It was like it was yeah, one, it was goal, one game. goal game. Yeah. And so everybody kind of, like, the the attention kind of went away from them. And there were some other really impressive teams in D3 this year that kind of took some of the, the attention away. Meanwhile, you have RIT just doing RIT things. And, I mean, they've been on a run this whole year. I mean, I, I've been excited to watch them. You know, their last game, they just kind of proved to everybody, like, we are exactly who you think we are. Like we are legitimate. And so, I mean, Berkman is an absolute legend, just kind of like she LeMoyne, like these guys will be prepared. This moment is definitely not too big for them, but you know, what are your thoughts on this D3 championship?
1: I think it sucks to be Salisbury. (laughs) I think it sucks to be Salisbury. And I don't mean it because like, Oh, I think it sucks to be them because everybody expects them to win every game. If they lose a game, ah, uh, their season's it's the, end of the world. Yeah, it sucks to be them. It sucks to have. It sucks to where people have this built up that if you lose one game, you're not a good team, and they're a phenomenal team. I think they have as good a chance as anybody to beat RIT this weekend. Um, you know, they are everything that they were advertised. You know, they didn't have a lot of time to prepare for the season. Um, you know, and, and I, I think it's a lot, you know, I think they're a lot looser than, say, an RIT is because they actually know what it feels like to lose a game this season. So, um, you know, I think Salisbury, once again, they have good defense, good goalie, their offense. I was a, I was a little worried about their offense early on in the year, that first game against Lynchburg. Um, they were really uh, – Lynchburg had a really good game plan where they basically were forcing – I know Coach Berkman likes to get his guys inside set, between 7 and 11 yards – that's kind of like their, that's their honey, that's their hotspot. That's the honeypot where if they are shooting from there, they're going to score a ton of goals. They were shooting outside of that against Lynchburg and teams that have had success against them have been forcing them to do those outside shots. They weren't really, um, they weren't really um, you know, getting a lot of opportunities um, in that first game, but that's something that has gotten better as the season has gone on. They've started to share the ball a lot more. Um, you, you're, you've started to see them kind of create that identity. Um, and I think a lot of people were down on them because they weren't, you know, doing what they, you know, they weren't their typical Salisbury team because, you know, usually by that time of the year, they are a little bit more dialed in. It took them a little bit longer this year, which listen, it's okay. It's part of it. Um, on the flip side, Listen, RITs, they're stacked. Larson Sundown has been a, a phenomenal difference maker for them. Um, you know, yeah, you they, have all these
0: guys going up a division, yep. you know, like his teammate who uh, transferred to Michigan from Limestone. Yep. You have him going You know, down only in, in numbers, down a division to D3. And, I mean, that kid is unbelievable. Yeah,
1: and I think that that team overall is, is unbelievable. Coach Kuhn, another guy who – if there's a division one opportunity anywhere, you know, North of the Mason Dixon line, he's going to get called for, um, he's done a phenomenal job at RIT. RIT was an okay, decent program when he took over. They're an elite program now. Um, so uh, I think this is going to be one of those styles make fights, man. This is going to remind. I think people are going to expect to see uh, a national championship game reminiscent to the one that Stevenson and RIT had uh, a bunch of years ago. Um, I think it's going to come down to, you know, probably that final five minutes, five to 10 minutes. I think it's going to be close throughout, Um, you know, but I I think you might see RIT win their first national championship this weekend. Um, But once again, if you, if they get too lost in the moment, you know, Salisbury will be right there. Um, I, I think, you know, the big worry that I have for Salisbury is, is if you remember that team that went, when Tufts won their first national championship, everybody was like so down on Tufts. Um, like, oh, Tufts is, it's great that they're there, but you know, they're not that good. Salisbury is like this elite team. I think that was when they still had Sam Bradman and everything like that. And then Tufts kind of came out of nowhere and won that national championship and kind of surprised everybody. Um, you know, I just hope that they don't have that type of mindset going in. I don't think they will. Um, but you know, I love watching Salisbury win national championships. I do. (laughs) I really want to see them win again. Um, I'm also a jinx. So if I say RIT is going to win, there's a good chance Salisbury will. So I wouldn't take my picks, um, you know, too seriously if you're putting money on the games.
0: Yeah. No, listen, Uh, like you said, there's two things that that are normal on on Memorial Day weekend. And one of them is Salisbury being in the national championship. All right. So I don't know what the other one is. I just kind of, yeah, I lost that. But uh, so here's here's the thing. I I did find Emmett Paradine Mm -hmm. plays at the Christ School. He's a 2022 midfielder. Okay. And uh he uh is an 82 out of 100 in the Inside Lacrosse database, which means he's a he's a high level he's D1 commit. He's yeah, he's good. a high level D1 commit. He's pretty good. Plays for DC Express, so yeah. You know. He's pretty so good. if I'm looking for a D1 coach for my 2022 season, Why not bring in a coach that also brings in a stud son? You know, it never hurts. uh, He's also (laughs)
1: very happy there. LR has done tremendous by coach. Oh,
0: yeah, Um, yeah. Listen, he has to be interested in our job. We're just saying he is totally capable, qualified, deserving of a D1 job if he wants it. But we've seen plenty of guys not leave D2, not leave D3 because the situation that they would be walking into is generally worse than the one that they're in. So it has to take somebody that cares enough about that D one title.
1: Yeah. If anybody needs a mediocre division two coach, you can, you can get my number just email me, Uh, you know, (laughs) I'll I'll come fill a spot. Hey,
0: Coker's open. If you want to move back over. I
1: wish nothing but the best for coach Oliver, coach Oliver's the man. He's a good dude. He's run a great program. I wish him nothing but the best, but yes, Coker is open. All
0: right, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. You know, Everybody should be parked in front of a TV, including you know tomorrow at 12 and 2. If you can't be in front of a TV. I think the weather's to, gonna be yeah, yeah pull I think up the, the weather's screen. gonna be
1: bad this weekend, so everybody should. Otherwise, I'd be greased up. Well, yeah, in off. the
0: Midwest here, yeah, we've got rain all day tomorrow. Yeah, so I'll I'm be parked with what baby in one hand and a cocktail in the other hand, watching some women's lacrosse. And uh, hopefully, my daughter. You know, maybe I got I got to pull up some rules here and make sure that I have, I know everything, because you know we're both we got to get like a twenty thirty nine twenty forty two team going for our daughters here.
1: Yeah, I got to get my wife to sign off on that.
0: Well, she can be my daughter's volleyball coach, and we can be the the, the lacrosse coaches, and we're good.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Michelle Michelle <laughs> will probably do that. That's okay. All
0: right. Sounds good.
1: All right, man. Hey, congratulations, man.
0: Be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Off Sides.